Oh, thank you. Rest in peace, Baji. Yes. Well, he's not dead, but you know, he's, he's living a an ongoing hell where he's in that dark room. Yeah. Didn't even end it. program. He's like Moriarty. Yeah. Uh, looks like we are live on Facebook, and I believe YouTube is loading as well, and we are live. So, hey, everybody, and welcome. Star Trek Lower Decks uh, Season 1, Episode 6, Terminal Provocations, has ended um, here on September 10th of 2020, but we're just getting started here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm Dave Mater, joined with Jeff Mater, uh, my brother, and Jimmy O'Robinson, co-host, to cover this episode as it has just aired today. It's just dropping, and we're still, you know, we're just we've just crossed into the second half of season one for this new Star Trek show. Um, and I think there's a lot to be to unpack in this episode. I'm still kind of amazed how much story they seem to be fitting in somehow into these 22 minutes. Um, so a lot to go over, but uh, you know, um, what is sort of like maybe the the, the headline at this hour? Uh, Jamil, I, I know you're distraught there. I can see. Um, badgy, badgy, it's badgy. I think he's the headline. Was he the star of this episode, Jeff? Um, well, there was there was kind of like two A storylines going on. I would say, like you, you guess you could say the B storyline was the Tendi and Rutherford stuff, but it seemed to take up more time than the other stuff. Um, I, I don't know. It was better. Maybe it was just better, and that's maybe not more time, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the other stuff, even though I did like the other stuff too. Really, uh, I I thought there were two F storylines in this episode. Oh, really? You didn't like the episode? I did not like this episode at all. Interesting. But Dave, what did you think? Yeah, well, I think I was up and down. I think I was a little bit mixed on this one. There were things I liked, and there were things I wasn't. That weren't quite landing too much for me. I'd say um, that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit down the downer side. But I'm not like fully negative on it per, per se. Like. I think that the cold open was really weak. This whole uh, bit with the hums and the different sounds that the different things make, like conceptually, it's sort of funny, but like it really didn't work for me in this execution. Um, this guest star tonight, who uh, was playing Fletcher, this character of Fletcher, and and just everything about this, um, like there were some funny moments, but it wasn't really. He wasn't necessarily funny to me this this particular character and he's a big part of this episode so not not necessarily great but i thought there were some things i loved i thought that in particular jacks lieutenant um no shacks i'm sorry it's lieutenant shacks i call <laughs> him jacks that's the you know, storyline yeah i know it's not the sons of anarchy guy you know it's uh lieutenant uh, shacks the security officer um he was amazingly funny in this episode. He shined really great. He was like, "Just let me attack them! Come on!" And he's like, he's <laughs> he's like a Bajoran wharf with a mustache. Is kind of what he kind of is, right? He's just very like he always wants to attack. He, like he that's his he, job. He didn't want to disable weapons. He's like, "No, we gotta aim for the warp core." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shacks. I wanted more shacks, and they gave me more shacks. Yeah, so I think that that's like maybe like the best thing in this episode. I think okay. Then the other big thing that I think was kind of funny was Badgy. This whole concept on the holodeck with Devana and Rutherford, which it's clear that they are pushing these two into a romantic direction. To me, at this point, there was a couple of little signals in this episode, um, but they were kind of doing like a play on the holodeck 
trying to kill you trope, which was done in uh, all through the TNG DS9 Voyager era quite a bit. Um, and, you know, it was funny, but the, the thing I think that was taken away from me, like, you know, I saw a sausage party a couple of years ago and I felt that this character, Badgie, was very reminiscent of Nick Kroll's uh, douche in Sausage Party, like in a lot of ways, like uh, just the sort of the malevolence and even the way it was, he was the characters animated in some ways. Um, and so I was kind of like, okay, like I, it, this should be funnier to me, but I feel like I've, this is, it, it's kind of, been, I've seen this in a pretty prolific or a movie. I think I've seen a couple times at least. So it's, um, that was taken away from me personally. But okay. um, do, do you know who did the voice of Badgie? No, it was Jack McBrayer. Who's that? He's the guy from Thirty Rock. The oh. hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, the guy with the the page. The yeah, like, well, I don't know the guy from Thirty Rock. It's the guy who works <laughs> it's at more than one guy from Thirty Rock. I don't I watch Thirty Rock. The guy who wears the Thirty Rock NBC just jacket. I don't know. Yeah, Jack the page. McBrayer. The He's page, a page. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. It's Kenneth Parcell on yes. 30 Rock. Yeah, okay, well... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't dot .com. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't great. Uh, I did notice that the... Okay, and then the, the storyline with the captain tonight uh, where they were fighting the, like that freighter ship that was giving them a hard time with their old junk or whatever. Uh, that uh, that was J.G. Hertzler, uh, Martok, was was, oh. was 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 coming through in the voice of, the, of that uh, character. And many other Star Trek characters he's played, but Adding who, one did to the list. who did he do tonight? The captain of that other the, ship, like the pirate yeah. ship that oh, was trying okay. to like salvage that that cargo. And what? Okay. Yeah. And while we're on that, what was like the whole premise with the captain tonight? Um, in that you know, and, and we were talking with Jack, like Shax. I keep wanting to call him Jax, but it's Shax. Um, was funny, but it's all you know. She's funny just in terms of like, n- no, we have to be more like civilized, and we have to try to be do better and. Uh, I'm being so considerate, but she's obviously irritated and just like trying to be better than her nature, which I really appreciate there. And she's like, no, we can't resort to violence. And, 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 and Shax just wants to attack them. Please, so please, let me just, please just let more. me destroy them. Right. And <laughs> he's like, no, she's like, no. And then they start flinging the garbage at their ship. And he's like, come on. <laughs> they can uh, use their tractor beam to kind of redirect it. Didn't yeah, they see yesterday's Enterprise? Yeah, there were. Yeah, they. Yeah, and there was a couple of times they've redirected things with tractor beams. Um, yeah, I feel like that there was. That was the storyline I keep wanting to come back to. I feel like the stuff on this 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 badgy stuff comedically, conceptually funnier than it turned out to be. I think you know. I kind of like this idea of this hologram grand program turning to Rutherford, but it's a little bit like just the, even like the dialogue, like whatever, eat, like wear your skin and. Some of the jokes yeah. are, are just yeah. a little too like much. Um, it wasn't well written, planned out. Some of his dialogue, I agree. Like uh, especially the diplomatic immunity line, it was kind of stupid. With with another performer, with with another comedian, a comedic voice, I think maybe it works. I just don't think this particular version. No, I don't, I don't think it was the the performer. I think it was just like some of the dialogue and the way it was written. Uh, uh, the performer, I thought was I thought Jack McBrayer. I didn't even know it was him for one and two. I thought he 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 was really good at yes, he was very like the douche, but what, that didn't bother me. I was like, was it a good like performance for the most part? Yes, but the the um the dialogue was rough in certain parts. I also was kind of taken aback by the amount of violence. 
I was there um, in that whole fight scene. Oh, well, he was slitting the throats of the Bajorans and stuff. And yeah, like... the, the entire. I was like, well, wait, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's CBS All Access, uh, All Access, and they're they're really pushing this adult animation. Yeah, I and... I, th I think that yeah, the joke is not um, in that particular sequence. Yeah, where it's it's so malevolent so quickly, and it's just it like, but it's trying to be funny, and it's it's just but scary. But clearly, like Devanna. And Rutherford aren't they never it never feels that scary either. There's mm -hmm. never like and I think that's also the joke, but it's also kind of the problem. And um yeah, I'm kinda of, I'm trying to reconcile this one. So I yeah, I, I think we're kind of saying that this one didn't land. This is not necessarily the one we're saying was the best one of the season. Um, are people saying it's the best one of the season? No, I don't know. I don't know what the people are saying. We got to find out what uh Janju76 is saying. Janju76 didn't didn't put a review. He couldn't even bring He's himself to post. But I have, I have one from Dig Nuts. Dig Nuts. Not these Nuts, but Dig. Okay, give he, it to he us. Wrote, he wrote like a book. Ooh. So, Dig Nuts had a lot Ex to say. You're finding excerpts to to reference. Um, uh, Jamil, uh, what did you yeah. think of, of the joke with Delta Shift? <laughs> um... I was kind of hoping for some red squad action. I, you know what? I didn't mind that. I kind of like the idea of like, you know, there's different shifts and everyone's paired up. Mm -hmm. um, the, the whole Fletcher thing just kind of ruined it really quickly for me. Um, yeah. He's part of, he's part of beta shift, which is what our, our main leads of the show are part of. Apparently they're part of yeah. the beta. And so when they're sleeping, Delta shift is working vice versa. And so they have sort of this mirror universe quality and a rivalry, almost like, Anchorman, when all the rival uh, news teams, <laughs> the news teams. Yeah. Channel 5 news team. Right, <laughs> Spanish television news team or whatever. And so, yeah. and just like, I just thought uh, that was kind of, gr I, I think that that has a lot of potential and something that they can yeah. maybe explore If they more. reference it again. Um, right. I feel like this episode had elements I, I, I found enjoyable, but I just, putting together as one thing, it kind of failed in that regard. Um, like the badgy thing was just I, I kind of get what they were doing, but uh, I, I didn't particularly dig that. The Fletcher thing was just was hard to watch. Um, I didn't find him compelling, nor did I care about his comeuppings um, occurring or lack of comeuppings um, occurring. I, I wasn't digging that that part. Only the bridge stuff, like I really enjoyed, and I kind of wish that they dropped either of the storylines and gave more time for that, the hijinks on the bridge. Yeah, but they tie it in with this Fletcher story that he's kind of like this big idiot. That, But they, they're kind of friends with him at the beginning as he went to the academy with Boimler. Is that, like, that's the premise of his character. But he's, mm -hmm. And he's sort of this fun guy that, um, uh, that uh, Mariner's sort of friends with at this point. Even by the end of the episode, they're sort of still friends with him, but not really. He's like this annoying friend they don't really like, but they kind of talk to. Um, and I thought it was kind of funny when he's when he was like, "No, I was phasered when you guys were at the the rave or the party or whatever." The choo choo, the choo choo, -choo, -choo like. dads. Yeah. yeah, like a joke that was okay, but didn't didn't wasn't grabbing me. But anyway, it was kind of it was kind of uh, was, was that fine. a reference to Discovery? I think it was a, a reference to Discovery. I think that whole like uh, that time loop episode with Harry Mudd. Yeah. And they were at the disco, uh, literally you know, on disco. Um, 
Yeah, like his, his like, and the fact that he hooked up his brain to this computer core to get smarter. It, like, okay, Reginald, but only like, he's thought of this, and all of the entire human race of all people on Starfleet, he's the only one who's thought to do this, and this is the only time. It just seemed like huge jumps, huge jumps. Like, why would he do this? Like, did he see it somewhere? Was it like, no, he just did it. Why did he fake, um, you know, that it was he phased it and everything like that? It just seems huge, like, leaps in logic for the story purposes and was just supposed to go along with it. I was not I was not following along in terms of that journey. I'm sorry. But- like Jeff, do you feel like they they like a lot of these guest stars, especially the, the non main character lower decks guys? We've seen a few of them that are sort of like these, like the guy who ascended right into whatever, and also this Fletcher guy that they're sort of like portrayed as like Starfleet bumbling idiots. And like I think what they're trying to say is like a lot of Starfleet, like as many as like there's these hero characters, there's a lot of like Starfleet officers who are just kind of dumb and really poor characters and that was kind of the joke they were trying to they even say it in fletcher's dialogue tonight like he's like no we're starfleet we have a a, like a certain moral goodness to us no matter what and i think that they're kind of challenging that and saying no that there's just normal idiots in starfleet too and sometimes they get people fail upwards this is where we go back to the canon argument where uh for me that that's not true like that you don't first of all you're not going to um graduate the academy if you're a bumbling idiot that you think that you're gonna throw a trash in a warp core you're not gonna let you into the academy exactly so this is where like if you this whole canon argument completely doesn't hold water for me because they they want to have their cake and eat it too they want to be able to say that starfleet are a bunch of bumbling idiots but then at the same time go no no it is in the same universe no it is not you, 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 this is a critique satire show. It's the Simpsons of Star Trek. It's the Family Guy of Star Trek. That's what they're doing in this show. That's fine. I take it for what it is. And that, and, and so if that's what the, like, they want to make fun of and they want to have fun with it, that's fine. That's great. But the, the creator saying that it's canon is like ridiculous to me. You know, like, it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too on, on that level, you know, because that's not who Star, that's not what Starfleet is. You know, like Starfleet is like you got to be super smart just to get to the academy, mm-hmm. and once you're at the academy, you know, four years you, of like intensive schooling and tests, yeah. and, and then you got to be really good to get into Red Squad. Red Squad. Yeah. Red Squad. Red Squad. Red Squad. Red Squad. Red Squad. We're Red Squad. I'll remember to put that on your tombstone. So, like, it's almost like in some ways, I feel like this show. Like I'm like, are they fans of Star Trek, or do they kind of secretly hate Star Trek, and they're kind of like making fun of it? To you know, be like, fair, most Star Trek fans are like that, where they right. love Star Trek, but they also hate Star Trek as well. They There's hate like if it. you were Jeff, if you were in charge of a show, you would be putting digs at Discovery left, right, and center, right? Sure, I would not, be. I would be talking about like Harry Kim one, rest in peace. You know, <laughs> right. Right, but they're not digging Discovery or Picard or the new stuff. They're digging at TNG and and, and like Voyager and, and th- those shows. So, which which makes me think, oh, Alex Kurtman has his name on the show. His name appears in the titles. I'm like, damn, maybe the suspicion was right all along. Maybe Kurtzman really does hate the old Star Trek. Well, and, but like to be fair, um, to be fair, you can 
there's going to be people that hate old Star Trek. There's like I can think of stuff that I don't like about TNG. A lot yeah. of stuff I can think about Voyager, right? Yeah. And the original series doesn't mean I don't also enjoy it, right? When mm-hmm. you're writing scripts, some parts of your cynical side may f- may come out more than others. This felt like a really really cynical episode. Yeah, right. For sure. Um, for sure. There's like once again the bridge stuff seemed rooted in like Star Trek, well-balanced, good, bad, and indifferent, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. a funny take. Everything else just seemed as parodies of stuff that you've seen before, like the, not even like smart parodies, like um, the evil EI in a holodeck and, you know, trying to survive because you're in an unfortunate circumstance. Um, and then the Fletcher the guest star who is supposed to be smart enough to get into Starfleet and be on a ship, but a complete idiot and um, hilarity ensues, right? As he tries to get everyone in trouble. Uh, That seemed, it seemed like a high school type. That thing felt like a high school type of like B storyline. We're like, pass. I have a breaking news at this hour for this episode. There is a connection on this episode to another show that we cover on our other channel, Super Mario Brothers Podcasting with Survivor, and a former Survivor contestant and winner was the writer of this episode. Is it Cochran? John Cochran. It is Cochran. It is John uh, it all makes wrote sense. This episode. It all makes sense. Now let's look at it through this lens of oh, the player goodness. who won. Uh, I'll survive. Wait, which season did Cochran win? Is anyone remember? Fans remember versus Cochran? favorites. Fans versus favorites. Made a couple, made, you know, like what? Probably like ten years ago, something like that. Yeah, about that, yeah. I heard he was working on this show, and like when I called into Sister Nino one day, he says, "Yeah, I have a friend who's working on that show." I didn't put it together. Friend. It was Cochran. Friend. <laughs> well, he's friendly. Yeah. With him, uh, and he might know somebody else. I don't know other than Cochran, but um, we should get him on the show. Yeah. The, the <laughs> say we really so, didn't like your episode. Uh, so the, the dialogue makes sense to me now. Okay, now I get why. Like I'm wearing, gonna wear your skin, and the 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 diplomatic immunity thing like was like came out of nowhere. It was like <laughs> what? The fuck? Like, why are you making a lethal weapon reference? What does that have to do with I, anything? I like that. I like that. Honestly, it was. I like that moment in Lethal Weapon too, and I think no, it's a I, funny. I, thing. I, I why liked it here. Why, explain to me why it was good for that moment. Like, I don't no get reason that. whatsoever. Okay. None. Right. None. 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 Just want to put it in. But, like, yeah. okay, thinking about it that way with under uh, that lens, there's, there's obviously going to be a Bible about the show. And it seems like the Bible about the show regarding the bridge crew seems to be really really like zeroed in and understands exactly who these characters are and um shats is um possibly because they keep going to him probably one of the the writers room's favorite characters um yeah. so i wouldn't be surprised if we see more of him going forward the the holodeck thing just kind of whew, that makes it even seem worse in in some respects and the fletcher stuff that seems like Cochrane is projecting, honestly. Yeah. Um, so now you look at it through that. Like, so if you don't know Watch Survivor and you don't know who Cochrane is, this, a lot of this might be lost on you. But he was like this nerdy, redhead, 
guy player like who was like the meekest guy ever and somehow like he came back right for the fans versus favorite his first time i don't think he did great right but he was sort of like well in the first time he played he played yeah. in um um oh I, I feel bad that i can't remember it um he was a polarizing character because he was a part of one tribe and then um he was not in well regard and the other tribe wooed him over um when it came to Woo. a crucial vote woo and um they looked at him as a betrayer and was extremely harsh on him for his decision and um like to the point that it was almost patronizing of how they were treating him and um, he didn't win but um uh, he kind of was left in this limbo of like uh did he make a good move um and then when he returned, he had a good grasp of the game and kind of controlled it from end to end. And um, one I felt in a very uh, convincing manner. Um, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he's he's well regarded as a as a big uh, sorry as a survivor player. He did. He was famously one of the only people who said no to coming back to Winners at War, which was the all winners Survivor season. He yeah. was like one of the few that turned it down. And if I remember correctly, it's because he was busy doing this, maybe. I had forgotten this, but he was busy writing this episode, too busy to go on Winners at War. Plus, I don't think he was like, no, I, I don't think, I don't, maybe he didn't think he would win or something like that. Um, there may have been other factors involved. But yeah, and, and then the second time he played quite notoriously, he sort of turned that all around and became much, he had a lot more agency the second time, right? Yeah. Like he was, and was able to sort of uh, dictate his fate was a whole different situation he was playing with players like philip and brandon hans not not the like the the uh the mount rushmore of survivor players perhaps he played with brandon hans twice (laughs) (laughs) francesca um he played with um what's the name i loved her with the missing teeth Uh, (laughs) and then um oh don don yeah don I yeah. felt bad for Don. And he was just kind of, he was just like this pop culture obsessed nerdy guy. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, like I think that lethal weapon thing, uh, he's just <laughs> him. He's like, I may never get to write a Star Trek episode again. I have to throw everything I love into this episode. Well, well understand the way like yeah, those writer, writer's room work. He is credited with being the, um, the writer of the episode, but he kind of wrote the a good portion of it, but not all. Because yeah. what ends up happening is you pitch your story to the writer's room, and then they brainstorm to fill in the gaps and to rework it. So um, there's going to be some elements that are going to work really well or are going to be like the original artists, um, but there's going to be other influences from the writer's room. So once again, as I stated about the uh, the Bible for the show, Bridge crew, they have down pat. I think mm-hmm. they have that cemented. They know that. Um, um, oh my gosh, not Bromler. Um, Boimler? Richardson. Um, oh my gosh, the guest star. No, no, not not Fletcher. I can remember Fletcher. I can't remember um, the badgy um, um, subplot. Um, Rutherford and Devon. Rutherford and yes, th- those and- two. They're gonna do a Sam and Diane with them. Uh, well, they won't they for mm-hmm. a bit, right? So they already have that idea, and you can see that they're they're really trying to push the Bromler, you know, um, pairing, so that they they soften up on each other. 
that they, they're really they trying would. to push the Boimler Mariner thing. Yeah. That those two are a duo. It sometimes is working like that. Like, like I guess like, you know, and their foil this week was Fletcher and, but he's such a, he, like, I don't know. I guess it, it's, it, it does something to establish, establish them as both a little bit responsible and being, and giving them chances to solve problems together, which is what Star Trek is that characters working together, solve problems. So, they're they're doing these things right. They're giving like that plot line to like to Devon and uh, Rutherford, and, yeah. and you know they they do this second week in a row. Um, it it it's fine, and maybe in the long run it's going to pay off because we're going to say remember that time the the holodeck program Badgie was trying to kill them, but in a vacuum, if you look at this episode, you're kind of like Ugh, this isn't one. It's definitely not one of the funniest. There's some weird things in it. Yeah. Um, and just you know, back to Cochrane, you know, he is the the. He, I'm sure he's contributed to other episodes along this way that we wouldn't know, like certain jokes, maybe the ones we haven't liked. Um, <laughs> Why well, you just pitting it on him? Yeah, I put it on him because I think that you know, I think that's part of what they do. Also, is like when you have a writer's room. Okay, this is going to be sort of like your episode where you. You know, you have or the basic your, story or your characters. Yeah, so it's and like, like you, got, you did a great job with the Bromla story. Can you, can right. you have Cock- more? Did the Cock- audience respond to your bet, story that week? Right, I, I would bet that that's you, a process. I would bet you Cochrane had a huge influence on the Fletcher character and ben, and the ten, the Bendy character, Badgie. Sorry, the Badgie character. I would imagine because it's his episode, he he probably took those those. Those two elements, yeah. Those two elements. Like some of the best yeah, Star Trek which writers. I think did not work well. I did like the um, the Mariner um, love of Starfleet declaration. Um, I think they really wanted to hammer that home because I, I think a lot of questions were like, why is she even in Starfleet? Like, um, so. Yeah, I think that that's the big criticism of her character because that's the pilot. But the, the pilot, like since the pilot, it's been walking that back i feel like and i'm like well why did you put that in the pilot then exactly i don't understand because like she had such like this disdain for establishment for the starfleet for her parents uh and and like but she says no i only object to stupid rules that get in my way from doing my job or from having fun like i don't put anyone in danger so like you didn't you don't have to you're, you're sort of having to rebuild this character but you you kind of put her in a tough spot from the, the beginning yeah. unnecessarily in that way like we said that like she isn't like, like someone had compared her to michael burnham and we're like well she's nothing like michael burnham but in that way she is like michael burnham yeah. in the sense that you've sort of set her behind the eight ball from the beginning made her sort of this underdog or so, sort of like sort of a, a, a character that the the audience might have problems rooting for um and and then you get us to slowly like them i don't even know if you need to do that in a star trek show i'm like we should almost the whole spirit of star trek is we should try to embrace these characters almost right away you know i think they just went a little bit too hard on it like if they made it into her being like a troublemaker maverick versus like this anarchist that they had in the first episode where she's like F the rules, I'm doing my way, kind of like it just seemed like such an extreme. And yes, they have been like scaling it back. Like she's like she'll she'll play hooky, but she wouldn't try to destroy the ship. And she'll actively work uh, go out of her way to make sure that things are done right. right? Yes. Right. That she's gonna do the right thing. She has a sense of responsibility and making, you know, and not being negligent. Right, and and she cares about friends and what they're doing. 
like you know and she they she tries to help fletcher they you know until she figures out that he's you know <laughs> unhelpable <laughs> yeah he's been completely a, a complete scumbag uh, oh, yeah, he's a scumbag. did you know um uh jamil the the guy that voices shacks fred tata Shori, do you know that he does uh soldier 76 in overwatch the same guy confirmed you knew that <laughs> get off my lawn yeah get off my lawn <laughs> he's still so great like there, there there's a lot he's... of good things going on um uh, we, we hadn't mentioned also um the cat doctor uh she was in the whole scene tonight where she gets the, the nachos <laughs> yeah like i don't it wasn't that funny to me like i just don't think that I, I think because again fletcher is the one she's playing off of a little bit and uh She's, you know she's been it, funnier, but like, like we were talking about how, how funny Shax was, but she was she was sort of down for me this week in some of the uh, the delivery. Do you know how hard it is to get nacho cheese out of fur with a sonic shower? <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, it can't be that hard. Pretty hard. Yeah, pretty hard. Pretty hard. Pretty hard. Oh, no, apparently, she just needed some water. I think it was all good. <laughs> um. So we're halfway through. Um, this season. And like Dave, how do you feel about this show? I'm still I'm still feeling good about this show, but I think that they are sometimes they go in the wrong a direction I don't necessarily want them to. I I'd rather them keep this like a lighthearted, um, slightly satirical version of Star Trek that is still rooted in what the spirit of Star Trek is. And so when they do kind of these things, like certain things in the show, like him hooking his brain up and these all these yeah, things, yeah, um, like I, 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 I don't think that they're the right thing. I don't think you need to do those things. You have to. There's like you have to. To me, I want to connect to Jeff. Jeff's like, no, just make it completely like the Simpsons of, of Star Trek, and I think that would be fine too. But you have to you you to try to like straddle the line is not always going to work. I don't think they are trying to straddle the line. I think they're very. I mean, they're they're lying to us if they think this is canon. Because to me, this show is exactly what I, what you just said, Dave. It's the Simpsons of Star Trek. It's the satirical look at Star Trek, which is fine if that's what you say it is. Don't lie to the DR. <laughs> no lying, confessional. Uh, more and more, I think this show will be referenced in other shows. Other canon star trek shows but it's gonna be like the real version of this of these characters will be referenced and not anything that happens on this show so there might be a bromler um that exists and might be mentioned you know as the second most important you know person well we've been talking about the fact for a couple weeks here that they are definitely going to uh like because Everybody who um, is voicing their characters fit more or less physically resembles their uh, their their animated character, right? Um, with with some exceptions, and and I think that you're almost certainly going to see a meta episode where we're going to see these characters as real life versions instead of the animated <laughs> versions somewhere down. Maybe not this season, but at some point, it's going to happen, and they'll be able to do it in a way that the Simpsons can't because the Simpsons aren't don't have that you have like people playing multiple different characters within the simpsons like i think they did that one it wasn't there the one opening of the simpsons where they were like the live action homer and all the the people in springfield yeah. i think they did that just once with a whole bunch of different actors they hired but that i think that is coming 
I don't know. Like, I am surprised that this show doesn't do that and have like Fred Fred Tatchashori do multiple characters because he can. He's a voice actor. There's certain people that definitely could do it, um, like like the Simpsons did. You know, like I'm so I'm surprised like they bring in the JG Hertzler Hertzler or they bring in paul sheer or they bring in whoever else to kind of like fill in the roles i'm surprised they do that you, you know um, why i i i know definitely why because um i think a lot of these people aren't getting paid their usual rate before when you had next gen um so less so in d space nine and even uh, occasionally more in the voyager you had the guest stars from hollywood that would come by and be in these episodes. And since like Enterprise, you never really saw that. You don't really see that in Discovery. People aren't coming up to Toronto to just guest star on, on Star Trek. Now you have the opportunity from your own home to voice act. So all these people in Hollywood who are not like A-stars, A-listers, but like, you know, the Paul Shears and stuff is like, I can finally be involved in a Star Trek show. I don't necessarily want to be multiple actors or characters, but I'll be one, right? And then say that I have my Star Trek legacy. I think that's that's primarily the reason. You'll take a take a lower pay to be on a 10-episode a animated show. If you're Jerry O'Connell, Stamos, uh, Romaine? <laughs> well, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell's <laughs> like, well, you know, I can take a break in my, um, uh, was it CTV original television show, Carter? Um, no, which, it's um, all about my secret identity. Well, his current show is called Carter. Okay. Yeah, or where it's like castle. It's like castle, but not castle. The legacy of Jerry O'Connell from my secret identity to sliders to, well, now Carter and this, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, I've been watching him his whole life. Oh, you stand by me as well. Um, and like, yeah, could you see him playing like a live action Jack Ransom? I I don't know. Like, I I, I got to think that that's going to be a possibility. And I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like more guest stars. There were a ton of guest stars, like the Jason Alexanders and the, you know, the, um, they would get, uh, who's that guy from LA Law? Corbin Burnson would show up on yeah. an episode or whatever back at a certain point, right? It was kind of cool to be a guest star on Star Trek. On the and Paramount guess, Studio lot. And they thought, like, what if we do a, an animated show? People love doing voices, cameos on The Simpsons, yeah. right? Um, and why not sort of make that part of our model? Yeah, wh- why not? Right, and that's fine. Like, if that's what the show is, and the it, it can work in in some ways, and uh, some of the jokes will land. So they, tonight wasn't the best, but there were some jokes that I thought were really funny. And we've had a guest star in every episode, right? I think there's, there's always like there's always been additional characters. It isn't just a main cast. Even like the antagonist will show up and be like a guest star. Yeah, right. there's no, no no real bottle episodes where it's just the same characters. Yeah, like that, like them crashed on a planet or something along those yeah. lines. And I think that they probably will do that at some point. Um, the 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 Tendi character guys is not working. She's 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 got nothing. Every episode, Rutherford is leading that that that, that whole duo? relationship. Yeah, that oh yeah, like the Tendi character kind of sucks. I mean. Uh, well, and it's always a manic spoiler, always dream girl. She's a manic pixie dream girl. I know that, but like, Me? you know, 
they could write something else for her. It's not, you know. I I already told you guys what I think her storyline will be, which is um, she either does not have the ability as Orion to seduce men, or she purposely is like dumbing that down because she wants people to like her. That's why she's like desperate for um, acknowledgement. Right. And then right. something happens. Let's say the what they would use for Vulcans, they're going to use it for Orion's where she can't control herself. And like everyone's liking her for her um, for her um, pheromones. And then we later find out that Rutherford actually likes her for her. And that's the episode that kind of solidifies their relationship. She finally trusts him and they start dating. Credits. Yeah, yeah you probably <laughs> bang on the money there. Like the fact that he has this Vulcan implant or whatever that some like means that um, I don't know exactly what it means. It's, sometimes he's controlled by logic. Insert if his emotions get too powerful. Uh, he's also married to his job, like Jordy LaForge sort of style. Uh, just you know, and doesn't necessarily. Well, Jordy was more interested in women than this guy, uh, but uh, you know, because he was like, he wasn't women? into the the trill lady he was dating in the second episode, I think. Wasn't the first episode with the zombies? Yeah, maybe it's the first episode. So, anyways, yeah, he was like sort of dating the Trill um, helmsman or ops officer, and uh, but the, he was like, "No, I just love being an engineer," and that's really funny. But yeah, like I think you're right, Jeff, that she's just been his sidekick, and I think that the fact that we're just, it's just it's been episode after episode, it's Boimler and uh, Mariner, Boimler and Mariner, and Devana and Rutherford, uh, and then somehow they they circle in with the other um, with the bridge officers sort of in the orbit of the story, but um, you got to mix this up more. You got to put Devana and, and, uh, and, and Mariner together or you got in Rutherford and Boimler and, and all kinds of comedy. You got four people there, right? Like this isn't hard. Like they've been like, like look at a show like Seinfeld. They know what to do with you got four characters and you got to mix and match them sometimes and put them in wacky situations. Is Shat's going to be uh, Kramer? No, Shax, I think is more like he's more like a like a background, like he's like a, a recurring character, not a yeah, Newman, like, but something Newman adjacent, perhaps. Like, uh, he's kind of like Putty. putty. Yeah, he's, he's like Putty, or yeah, he's like Putty. Okay, that's a good analogy for for him. He like um, coming coming with the funny jokes, but you know, not a central character, but someone they have to deal with. Yeah, but like that's the thing with yeah, like you're right, like David. We're like this is the sixth episode, have, and there are we supposed to believe that these four people are friends, or is it just like two pairs? And like I don't really see the friendship between the four of them. It's it's more like Beckett and Boyle, like you said, and uh, Devana and and, uh, and Rutherford. It's just like I I don't get what like why not? I thought they were gonna do it in this episode, and I guess I was sorely mistaken. Uh, will they do it next episode? I don't think so. Like, I don't think they're ever gonna do it. Like, it seems like it's been there's been six episodes. They haven't really done it. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's a legitimate criticism of what they're doing right now because I do like she's not working for me as well because her thing seems to be like I'm super enthusiastic, but that's not a thing. Uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a thing. <laughs> like like Rutherford has a very specific thing and. And and Mariner is more appealing than Devana right now because she's way more fleshed out in terms of who she is and what I can expect out of her and what I think she sort of brings to this whole thing. Um, 
And with Devana, she's just, I'm enthusiastic. I'm enthusiastic. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and she's always trying to like make people feel better. Yeah. But how are you like, if you're, this is a comedy show, right? So I don't understand how she's playing into the comedy aspect. Yeah. How are we, how are we playing off of that, that type of attitude uh, at the same time? How are we learning more about the character? Yeah, and there's been very little. Like we got a little bit in an earlier episode where she's like, "I'm back on Orion," and I'm like, "Okay, you're the first Orion, ma- like character, really, like like main character in a Star Trek show." So, but that that's a, um, a species we know a little bit about, but not a ton about. You've got a lot of like room to explore that. What's Orion culture like? What's yeah. how do you play into that? Like, that's where how I think Orion we date. Yeah, what? How how do you date a, a half? Vulcan computer man who's obsessed with uh, diagnostics and Jeffrey's tubes. What happens when um, Rutherford has the Ponfar? <laughs> yeah, he has the he has the computer Ponfar. <laughs> yeah, computer yeah, Ponfar. Like, there's a I funny concept. <laughs> yeah, this is like I don't. Yeah, he's like uh, maybe he's got the porn going or something. He's, got the, <laughs> he's tied in on that. He's just there's downloading like, the mouse of amounts of porn. His his porn is like. Um, what Star Trek the motion picture and those long shots of the Enterprise? He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when it's funny when he's yeah. like, wow, the warp core. Wow, look at those yeah. nurse cells. Oh. Look at that. That's when I because he's so it, you know, or, or he's like, or when he's just super like into whatever he's doing. But yeah, and and but that's his thing, right? And Devana's is just following him around. So they got to work they, on that. When they play on expectations, that's. I find that humorous. And the what are her expectations? They haven't really done anything with her. No, there She's should be more of her wonderful. and the and the cat doctor, um, Taana. Yeah. Right. Uh, but she's just worried about getting the nacho cheese out of her fur. Right? I'd like to see a more yeah, like a doctor centric episode, a shack centric episode. <laughs> They're not doing that on this show though. They're just not because they the everything has to be about Beckett and Boimler for the most part. Yeah, Rutherford is. gets the B story every time with the uh, you know the uh, Tendi palling around. So but I think they could have way more fun with this show if they I, I if they didn't, I really feel like they didn't, shouldn't have called it lower decks or they shouldn't uh, have had to have focused it on those four people just because I think they have the a ship. Yeah. Just based on the ship, just call it like Star Trek Cerritos or whatever. That would have been better to me because then they could have done a captain centric episode. Uh, you know, the, the shacks, uh, the uh, ransom, you know, but they seem like they're, they're almost like, like, um, Super characters in the minds of a Beckett and Boimler, like they're they're eccentric, even even like like they almost don't seem like real, like in a lot of ways, like the captain and, and like they, they they seem like they're removed in a lot of ways to the narrative of the story, and, and which is which is odd because it, I don't really know how to follow the narration of the story every time because a lot of the they're acting like sometimes like the captain tonight was acting very much like what Starfleet making fun of it, where it's like, Oh no, we have to do this non-violently, even though even in real Star Trek, I think uh, a Star Trek captain would have fired back uh, considering what was going on. And then you have Shax, you know, saying, let's like, yeah, like target the warp core and let's blow it, which would never, they would never probably do that. They would try, probably try to actually like, not quite that bold right like warp yeah. would say like recommend firing phasers and Picard, like, no, they, oh, request right? denied <laughs> request yeah, denied but he wouldn't say let's kill them 
No, he would say they would probably try to target the engines or their weapons. You know, that's what, you know, will probably happen in a real Star Trek episode. So they're doing things that are like, that doesn't, that doesn't fly. That doesn't seem like quite right. Even Shaxx's log tonight where he goes, uh, their claim on salvage Starfleet cargo is ludicrous thus far. My recommendation of full assault has been ignored in favor of a more diplomatic approach. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. But it's exaggerated, yeah, right? Yeah, I think that that's is. what we were kind of saying at the, at the beginning. Like, they how far they push this exaggeration sometimes. I think is like the the further they push it, the less I'm into it. Um, when the when when that guy ascended, and I was like, that's pull it back. You can make this funny and still make it a Star Trek show. And uh, with the computer warp core thing or whatever, the computer core thing tonight that turned into like this, the the this. Other, like this virus know, thing, I don't know what it was. Thing that turned into they ended up destroying the other ship, and then at the same time they're cutting back to the Bendy, uh, the the this big star guy, the Delta looking, you know, guy uh, voiced by Jack McBriar. So like everything about what's going on is just like that's not realistic, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> of what Star Trek is, you know. So like. Uh, I find it funny a lot of the times, but I'm like, come on. Like, what's going on here? You know? Plus, both of them happening at the same time and not being connected just seemed really off. Yes. Yes, it did. And it seemed like they they wrote the same story twice. You know, with with the badgy uh, storyline and then the computer core thing. It's like they, uh, I don't know. Like, they had too I many just, ideas in one episode, too. I think, yeah, I right. Think so. For this to really work, but I don't think a whole badgy episode would have been funnier. I think it probably would have been even cringier a little bit. Um, so or they could have had it like it involved in the infection of the other, like it was combined with the other guy's um, warp core or something, or vice versa. Somehow, just combine the two, where it's like this one idea kind of split into two different scenarios that it impacted both. Yeah. That's what Steinfeld used to do very, very well. They, they, they would somehow combine the George and Elaine storyline with the Jerry Kramer storyline. And you wouldn't even know how they did it, but they ended up doing it. They would do it brilliantly. They did it over and over again. There must be like just sort of, a. this was 30 years ago. They were writing episodes like this. There's ways to, there must be some kind of um, approach to writing episodes and interconnecting your characters in in that format, they they did it for for all those years. I know it was maybe maybe they made it look too easy, um, but Friends did it too. Like it was it was it, there's you can you can find you can do this. It's a sitcom trope. It's a sitcom trope. This is a it has the sitcom format largely, and I think you can you. There's just like I I don't know like I just make a few different choices in some cases. That's all. That's my like. That's sort of high level. Like I don't. I'm not. I don't want to gripe and and complain too much. But I also just know that there's. I think that there's more potential if they go in this direction. I think that's okay because overall, halfway through this season, even though this episode, I think I'm a bit down on, and I'm not feeling every character. Like if I, you know, would I feel? Did I feel? Would I feel better if I was watching Star Trek: The Next Generation first season for the first time? I think I would feel worse. Um, <laughs> just in terms of how I felt about the show. After six episodes of TNG, just like especially the Picard and Wesley stuff, and in some of like you know that was still like the, that was still the Tasha Yar days. Not that I'm criticizing Tasha Yar, but that was before they had kind of worked out what the show was. 
And, you know, and, and by the third season of Next Gen, you know, everybody's kind of where they need to be. And they have like sort of their core seven characters really cemented in and that carries them through the rest. So it's not like I feel like this is salvageable. I feel like nothing they've done so far is uh, gone too far, but they push these limits. Sometimes I'm like, you don't need to do that to make this funny. That's not what your big punchline of the episode needs to be to be to make it good. This is an episode that people are like, just you could skip that episode. You don't need to watch it. Yeah, I think you could say this is the one you could probably skip. You yeah. even if it were like, hey, I'm going to watch the show now. I'm like, this, if you want to, if you're not, if you're looking for just the best episodes of the season, it's let's this ain't it. This and let's, ain't you know, it. and I think while while we, you know, I don't want to, we we should just get into the ratings here. How are we going to quantify this uh, exactly? So this episode, terminal provocations. Um, Jeff, you want to go first? Um, five. Mm. Five. So better than the pilot. Yeah, the pilot sucks. I'm gonna go. I think this is like a a six for me. Oof. You know, and so it's a, I've been on a downward trend for the last three weeks. Um, so, but I'm not like in the dumps. Jamil, uh, five. This is worse than the pilot for me. Worse than the pilot for you. Okay, so that averages it out at five point three. Yep. So that is the weakest episode so far. Uh, uh, factoring in our ratings like you know uh, we were mixed on the pilot we ended up coming out i was pretty high on it actually so i helped bring it up to a (laughs) (laughs) 6.1 jeff was pretty low jamil was in the middle um and uh and you know so we we had really two great episodes in envoys and temple edict in episode two and three respectively and then you know moist vessel we were like pretty good on but we weren't like you know it it could be better and then last week and Jamil, you were a little bit higher last week. You liked I was a little bit higher on it. Yeah. Um, but this where I think we're kind of sort of all in the same place. So did I get all yeah, yeah, it was two fives and a six. Yeah. And I would have had week, it higher, but that I would have had it higher. That that pantsing stuff I still did not like. I, I think back to it and that just stands out as a scene that just seemed completely unnecessary. In Moist Vessel? Is that the one? No, in no, no, um, Cupid's Air. Cupid, yeah, uh, I didn't like the pantsing. Do you want to go yeah. down to 7.4? Do you want to take another No, rating? no. That's the no, reason why. You stick by your rating? Yeah, I stick by my rating. Okay. So <laughs> and next week, we're doing Much Ado About Boimler, which is going to have John Delancey as Q back in this show. And I think that like, that was a big headline. Like uh, Tuesday was Star Trek Day, and I don't know if they announced it uh, Tuesday or yesterday, but it's come out. Um, and like, okay, I think that this is where you have to nail it, right? Like you're bringing in John Delancey. You've had seven episodes to sort of six episodes rather than to sort of get warmed up, know your characters at least a bit. Here's your big guest star. You better have good writing. You better have good, bring your best performances. Um, you you have an amazing opportunity to explain what the hell this universe is with Q. Yeah. yeah. Do you really want them to waste Q on explaining the 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 universe? I wouldn't hurt. Really? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if I like. Do I want it uh, explicitly explained? Just so you and I can start uh, arguing about <laughs> it uh, and how canon this is or isn't, um, because I'm still can't figure it out. I like. I, I would rather have a resolution to that in terms of like. But does it have to be next week? No. Um, it, to me, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I don't know matters. Um, so because the way that Memory Alpha, the wiki, Star Trek wiki is treating this, uh, they're treating it as canon. So, so am I. So I that's why I, I'm all bringing it up, Jabil, because it drives Dave nuts. Because <laughs> yeah. He's, he's twisted knife. Says he here, needs- if I click on Beckett Mariner, Beckett Mariner was a human Starfleet officer who lived in the 2380s. Not in some other dimension. In the main universe. So- he needs it to fit in the box of the Star Trek universe. And this show is doing everything it can to to shit on the star trek universe as far as like the mechanics of the star trek universe uh in a lot and of the ways. morality of the human race <laughs> yeah the morality of starfleet and how starfleet works and, and all those kind of things so i just i, I it's like i don't know it's so, it's so contradictory to me there you go okay um jimmy what do you hope out of this q episode um i i kind of didn't when you said it was like a Bormler, the title thing, I'm like, uh, uh, can it just be about Q and just Q do it mess with people on the ship? All right, I want it Q might and Sax, I want Q and Sax scenes. It might be Q and Boimler, majority of the episode. Uh, That'd be my now, guess. This is going to be the first appearance, uh, of John Delancey Q in a Star Trek episode since. Voyager's seventh season. I think they did the one with his son, who was playing his son, like the John Delancey's son played uh, the Q's son in that episode. And uh, this is the first time he's going to be back. Now, Q's dynamic um, with Next Gen pretty well established. It's It was Bob Picard, but he sort of had a dynamic with all the other main cast uh, in some way. But it was very much about him and Picard primarily. Um, and in Voyager, he had this same similar thing with like he with Janeway he called her Kathy and they were going to get married at that one point and they had those those their, but their dynamic was a bit different they was a little they were a bit more friends with Q I'd say on Voyager um in a lot of ways you know and I I his one appearance on D Space 9 where he I'm Cisco not yeah Cisco punches him I'm not Picard um not much to go on there but like I don't know who is he, okay so is it going to be Boimler is his main guy on the Cerritos going to be Boimler that's what I is think. that what we you know i guess like who else is it going to be i guess you know it's, um i don't want to see q and beckett i don't know i think he's going to disregard disregard her and um it's going to piss her off it's going to frustrate yeah. her so much he's like yeah. we're kindred spirits i'm like your new vash yeah yeah for sure <laughs> i can see that like because like yeah q likes to pick on people like boimler like picard like like Janeway. Yeah. He likes the people he can get a rise out of, like Worf. Yes. Um, actually, all the TNG cast, they all were like, we don't have time for your shit, Q. And, uh, <laughs> when and, O'Brien yeah, sees him in D Space Nine is great. Yeah, Brian's like, not you! Fucking guy! Right? And then, but Voyager, Voyager was more, like, was sort of annoyed with him, but they were also like, we're just happy you're on our show, right? So they were just thrilled, right? Um, and they had like, some good episodes. It's like a holodeck episode. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of like a, a crazy adventure because Q is an omnipotent being that can do anything, go anywhere, whatever. Um, you know, so there's so much potential, but they've, they've sort of used a lot of that already. Like they kind of do this wacky out their stuff, like that Ascension thing still bugs me. Um, <laughs> I don't know, was it because he was meditating? I don't understand what was going on with this whole thing, with the ascension. I, 
Why? <laughs> I don't know. No one has answers for me. Um, what else is there? Is there anything else to ask? Really, like speculate on what else? Like we got four more episodes. It, it, I guess the only thing in terms of going into next week. Why are they doing this at the seventh episode, not like the finale of the season? Enough time it. for Star Trek Day to to get ratings up, I guess. Maybe. Well, um, yeah. Maybe just why? Well, but why bring John John Delancey in sort of halfway through? You don't want to do it at the beginning. Why would you do it? Still establishing end? characters, and you realize how good of a character he is in comparison to the other ones. My question to you, Dave, is the last episode of this season going to be to be continued? Um, I give it a very high chance. I think that the, because TNG almost every, almost every season finale was a uh, to be continued and um, after season three, right? I think so. so. You have best of everything. both worlds, fire. All right, and then yeah, and they had descent, and they yeah. got uh, times arrow, and they have. There's one more I'm forgetting, but there that that's what they just did, and like and Space Nine did it a whole bunch of times. Voyager certainly did it a few times. Um, Enterprise. So why wouldn't they make fun of that? But they have to find a way to make that funny. I don't know how they're going to do that if they're even, if they're even going to try. But if you're going to do be a, a to be continued, you should you should try. I think maybe. Um, okay, well, I think that that covers it then. We're coming up in an hour, and uh, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 6, Turnover Provocations, has ended. We've broken it all down. I'm Dave Mater. Join us here on Live Long and Podcast. Our next project is going to be Star Trek Radio Theater coming to you this Saturday night as we're reenacting an episode from um, Star Trek Voyager's seventh season. Inside Man, which will feature Dr. Reginald Barkley, uh, who I will be playing. Sorry, not Dr. Lieutenant Reginald Barkley, as well as the holographic version of him in that episode. We got Ashley Millard as Deanna Troy, Kevin Millard as, also as the narrator. Uh, we have uh, Kevin Millard as the doctor, Leosa and Yeji, one of the Ferengis. We got Jessica Chan as Captain Catherine Janeway. Um, we have uh, uh, also as Admiral Owen Paris and one of the uh, schoolgirls who is learning about the Delta Quadrant races. Jeff is going to be playing Tom Paris, Neelix, Seven of Nine, and Damon Nunk. So uh, check that out. And then we have Michael Chan as Commander Har Pete Harkins, Lieutenant Belon Torres, Commander Chakotay, and is a green waiter. And we also have my wife Jane playing Ensign Harry Kim, Tuvok, uh, Gigas, and the other schoolgirl. So, and as the voice of the computer. So this is a, you can see there's a lot of characters going on. This is kind of a, a, a TNG crossover with Voyager from their seventh season. And uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot, I think we actually have a ton of fun with this story. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, check that out. And we do Deep Space Nine on Tuesday nights. And we do um, uh, original series rewatches on Wednesday nights as well as this. So check all that out if you love Star Trek, which we hope you do. And um, and our other channel, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, where we cover Big Brother three times a week, Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Trivial Debates, our monthly debate show where we argue about movies, TV, music, sports, and more. So anyway, yeah, like that's all we got. Subscribe and live long and podcast. Have a great night. And thank you, Jeff and Jim. <laughs>